thank you for joining us this morning for this week's sermon. Hey, go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. That's where we're going to be at this morning is 1 Samuel chapter 17. And what you'll notice is we're getting into a very familiar story this week. You know, a very familiar story that is probably one of the most recognizable stories in your Sunday school classes or your kids. If you ask them something about the Bible, they're probably going to remember this character with this situation. And, uh, and, and I love this story. There's so much here for us to see. And, and as I started to think about this story and just think about the conflict that happens, you know, I started to think of my own life, how I approach or get in the mindset to engage with certain situations or certain activities. And for me, I'm a music guy. And so with a lot of times with that uh, in my life, throughout my life, it's revolved around music being that thing that kind of fixes my mind on this situation. And so, you know, uh, back in the 90s, early 90s, it was uh, jock jams. You know, you remember that. That would get you going, really get you revved up. Maybe it's hip hop, uh, hard rock, those things that just kind of bring a little aggression, just a little focus to the situation that you're uh, that you're getting into, that you're involved in. Uh, maybe you're trying to get relationship ready, and so you're listening to a little bit of R&B or pop music, some boy band stuff. Uh, don't laugh and act like you didn't, because you probably did. And uh, and and you know, there's. Uh, Two songs that really just stick out to my mind that when I'm thinking of just stepping into a conflict, when I'm thinking of stepping against some opposition or, or trying to have kind of victory or ha trying to have uh, success in something that I'm doing, two songs stick out to my mind. And the reason they stick out together is because they kind of feel like a story. You know, and those songs are We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions by Queen. Awesome songs, great, uh, great musicians, great songs, and I mean, just really just get you pumped up and ready for what you got going on, you know, and, and what comes with those songs is this mentality of that, that, that we are going to bring it, we're going to bring it, we're going to bring uh, the heat, we're going to bring the, 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 the skill, we're bringing all that we have to the table, and through what we bring, we're going to bring home a victory, right, we're going to bring home everything we have, and, and, and as exciting as that is, and, and how great those songs are, just awesome songs, you know, too often when we read the story of David and Goliath, we kind of bring this mentality into it. We kind of bring this, I will, we will rock you mentality in that we are the champions, that I am the champion, that I'm going to accomplish this today. And, you know, in a, a lot of times when we read this story, we approach it with that mindset that, that I am the champion or we are the champion. And so if I subtitled this morning's text, it would be the champion because that's the main thing that I want us to kind of round out this morning as we look at this text uh, really recognizing who is the champion of this story. Uh, what is the intention or purpose behind this story? No, this is a very popular story, and, and the reason we gravitate towards it is because we read about a young man with a slingshot facing up against a mighty warrior, the, the, the Philistines' champion, and, and he's taking on this giant. You know, and a lot of times it's taken, and, and we're, we're told that it's a, it's a good illustration or a good representation of how we conquer the so-called giants in our lives and how we face these uh, different difficult situations. And even though we can look at that and really see a lot of encouragement and maybe find some, some instruction on courage and some instruction on faith, I, I do believe that as we look at that text and we take it into consideration with the full narrative of the Bible and what this story really is a representation of, we can find something so powerful that can 
be with us in the midst of all of our situations that can bring us through every difficulty, that can bring us through every defeat, that can bring us to this place where we see victory far beyond the so-called Goliaths in our life, but we see a victory that spans our lifetime, that spans our, our spiritual, our physical life, just, just supersedes everything in front of us and shows us a greater victory than maybe we've ever even known before. You know, we, we've spent the last few weeks uh, talking about, this being week nine, talking about uh, the king. You know, who is the king? And, and we've talked about Saul, the first king of Israel. And then last week we talked about the anointing of David and how that started to kind of play itself out and who David was and what he was doing. And you know, Saul was chosen. He was chosen to be the man. You know, he was the so-called champion of Israel. He was man's choice. And what did we see? He was picked to fight the Philistines. He, he was chosen by the people. They thought, you know, this will be the guy that will lead us against our enemy. We will have victory against our enemy. And then what happened is they had battle after battle after battle, and they never secured any substantial victory. And then not only that, but we began to see some things with Saul Falter. You know, and, and for the people, they would have been wondering, well, when is this victory going to finally come? Like, when are we going to finally see what the prophet, uh, what was prophesied early on in, in 1 Samuel by Hannah? Hannah would prophesy in 1 Samuel 2.10. She would say, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces and that he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. So he's talking about this king that will have strength and that, that there will be this victorious sound uh, uh, that will be made by the anointed one that is chosen and that the enemies will be broken. And so all of this is, is, is in their minds. They would have to be asking their question, you know, we, we have a king in Saul. Why, is these, why have these things not happened yet? Well, then remember, we talked about God choosing David and that David would be known as, as Israel's greatest king. We'll just say that up front. We'll, we'll continue to kind of echo that through the rest of this series. But David would be recognized as Israel's greatest king. And so what we begin to see this week is we begin to see that private anointing that happened between, uh, between uh, David and Samuel begin to become more public where the people will begin to see why this is God's man. You know, and so what I want us to see here as we kind of look at this, I want us to understand that a lot of times we read the Bible and I think too often we approach it as kind of a fiction tale or we approach it uh, as, as some kind of folklore. But man, we have to understand this is history. This is uh, our history. This is Israel's history. This is God's people. This is a story of a real shepherd boy who, who stepped into a situation way too big for him and that he would be used in a mighty way by an almighty God. And so what I want us to do is I want us to frame up a couple of things to really see this story play out and to answer this question, who is the champion? That, that's, that's the biggest question that I want us to answer before we get to the end of this is who is the champion? And so I want us to frame up two things to really see this play out. And so the first thing this morning is the challenger, that we have to see the challenger. And we're going to see two challengers kind of more or less in this, but who is the challenger in this story? And so we see in, uh, in, in 1 Samuel verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 1, we see that these two armies are facing each other. And what we see is the Philistine army is actually in this place. It says the Philistines were gathered at Soka, which belongs to Judah. And so we see uh, the, the, the enemy of God is on God's people's territory. 
very much like the enemy does in our life day after day after day as it tries to invade our space. And so we see the enemy of God invading the space of the people of God. And then in 1 Samuel 17, 4, it says, from out of the camp of the Philistines, a, a champion named Goliath. And so what we see is something very familiar with, uh, with, with this historical type conflict uh, and these battles is what they would do is they would put before uh, the, themselves, they would put out their greatest soldier, their greatest greatest uh, warrior and that the other side would put out their greatest warrior and these two warriors would would have a battle and the winner of that battle would gain victory for their army and then they would take the rest of the other army as slaves they would take them into captivity um, to use them and so what we see is that the philistines israel's greatest enemy at this point have put before them their greatest warrior I mean, this dude is nine feet, uh, over nine feet tall. He's carrying armor and weapons combined that, that weigh 150 to 200 pounds. That he has a shield the size of a door that, that his armor bearer is carrying ahead of him for him. Poor guy. Just carrying this massive shield for him so that, so that Goliath can have a sword in one hand and a giant spear in the other. I mean, this guy is just the epitome of everything macho, right? It's just the epitome of everything that, that is strength, everything that is, that is man's will, that is man's uh, power is represented in this champion, in Goliath, Philistine's champion. And then in, uh, in verse, uh, verse 8, we see uh, how, he, how he acts towards the people, how he responds towards the people. It says that he stood and shouted, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? And so what he does here is he tells him, Why do you show up? Why do you show up to this battle and that you don't fight me? Aren't I your enemy? Aren't I the one that is pitted against you? Aren't I the one that you've come to fight? But what they do is the Philistines send out their warrior and the people of Israel just stand. They just stand there. You know, and... Uh, you know, they, they just stood and watched as the enemy is there. He even says later on in verse 10, he says, I defy the ranks of Israel. So the very presence of this so-called champion, the very presence of this enemy was a reminder to them, was a reminder to them that in a representation of their fear and their inability to defeat him, their inability to conquer him, their inability to defeat this and destroy this enemy that was before him. And he acknowledged, he even acknowledged that aren't you the servants of Saul? So he's acknowledging who they've put forth as their king. You know, that he's acknowledging that you've put your dependence on this king. You know, don't you have any strength from him? You know, isn't he the one that's motivating you? Isn't he the one that you're fighting for and no one's coming and fighting for, for them? You know, what we begin to see is the problem here is when we put our, our, our dependence on the might of men, we are feel, fearful of a greater might. We are fearful, we're fearful of a greater warrior, of a greater soldier. And when we come in contact with those things, when we're, we're dependent on the might of a man and the might of a king, when we're faced with stronger difficulties, then we find ourselves at a place of fear. And where they find themselves at, they're at a place of fear. Even whenever David comes into the picture, they tell him, they said, uh, he, he is not able uh, to, to fight this. He is not able to, to fight this war. They say, you are not able... Uh, in, in verse 33, says, you're not able to face him. 
because they're seeing the might of a man. They're seeing the strength of a man, and, uh, and, and, he, and this man is mocking them. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then send him out. He's, 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 he's drawing them out. He's, he's pulling at their weakness. He's, he's, he's bringing about and really focusing in on the struggles of the people who have depended on Saul. And they're being reminded of their weakness. They're being reminded of, of where they fall short. And it actually says in verse 11, it says, When Saul and all Israel heard, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. This word dismayed actually means that they were broken. That they were destroyed. That their fear had just, just smothered them to the point where they felt like there was nothing that they could do. Because the might of their soldier was greater than the might of any of their soldiers by their observation. And so they knew, they knew that if anyone were to go forward, that there would be defeat. And so what we see is we see them stepping into this time of testing. You know, it says that this went on for 40 days with the Philistines, that, they came, that he came forward, took his stand morning and evening, reminded them, drawing at them to, uh, to, to bring focus to their weakness, to bring focus to their inability to defeat him, to bring focus to the fact that he was mightier than any of them, did this for 40 days. In the Bible, the number 40 is a representation of trials and of testing. And so, you know, we, we know of many situations where this took place to, to grow the people, to kind of draw the people out. In Genesis 7, 4, it says it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. This testing, this trial of, of the people and of the world. Uh, Numbers 14, 1933, it says uh, after they left uh, Egypt, after Moses had left the people out of Egypt and they're stepping into the wilderness, God tells them, he says, you shall uh, be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years because they're, they're, they're being punished for where they've, um, where they've fallen short, where they haven't trusted in the Lord. You know, the same thing in Genesis. They didn't trust in the Lord. They did their own thing. And so there were 40 days of testing and trial. And then uh, in Numbers, the same thing. You'll be 40 years of testing and trial in the wilderness. And then in Matthew 4, 1 through 17, we see Jesus tempted for 40 days and come out victorious. You know, in all of these situations, it's moving towards, through this testing, moving to this point of victory. And so what we see here is we see, first off, before we get there, we see this first challenger and this mighty, uh, this mighty man that represented strength, that represented uh, just you know, power, all these things that the people felt like they didn't have. And so not only was Goliath their challenger, but the other challenger in this situation was themselves, that they were afraid, that their fear was their other challenger that was holding them back, that was keeping them from trusting uh, in the Lord because they were trusting in their own abilities. And so trusting in their own abilities, trusting in their own strength and comparing their might to the might of Goliath made them, reminded them that they weren't strong enough. And this was represented to them by how Saul lived. Remember uh, earlier on, we were reminded that Saul feared in the very beginning of his kingship that he, he hid in the baggage, that he hid in the baggage when he was being anointed a king because he was afraid maybe of his weaknesses or his faults or his failures of stepping into the role that God clearly told him, this is yours. I'm giving this to you. I'm anointing you. In Psalm uh, 1 Samuel uh, 15, uh, he feared the people's approval and their opinions. He said, he said, I did these things because of the voice of the people around me. And so Saul is, is being an example to the people and the people are following that king. That that king was afraid of the might of the other soldier and so it trickled down into the lives of everyone else. That they were afraid. 
And so their challenger was not only this mighty man of might but, uh, and of strength, but their other challenger was their own fear and their own, uh, their own decision to not trust in the Lord and what he planned to do for them. And then so the second thing that we frame up is the champion. You know, the champion. And uh, we're reintroduced to, uh, to David in 1 Samuel 17, 12, when it says, Now David, and it starts to say, Now David was the son of an uh, Ephrathite uh, of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse. And so it kind of reintroduces us to David because what David hasn't been here in the beginning of the story because he's been doing what God had, where God had placed him. He was being a shepherd. He was being obedient to his father. You know, he was doing all these mundane things where like what we talked about last week, with Brother Garen, where uh, God was using that time to prepare David to do what he does in this particular story, where, you know, uh, he, he goes to this place, he goes to the battle because his father instructs him to be there to bring his brother some sandwiches and some cheese, basically. He says, here, bring your brothers this um, so that they'll be equipped for battle. And so when he goes there, uh, he he experiences the situation going on and God continues to use David. And so David becomes Israel's champion in that situation. David becomes the champion in that situation. And we see that he is the champion here because he does three things. He reveals three, he, he, he participates in three things that prove that he is the champion that they needed. And the first thing is that he, uh, he fought for God's people. He fought for God's people. 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 26. It says, Who is this that he should defy the armies of the living God? That, that David is saying this about Goliath. Why does he feel like he has the right to defy God's people? You know, there's a lot of strength and confidence that comes with that. That he's recognizing these are God's people. That they're not weak. That they're not meant to be afraid. That they're not meant to be cowering back in the corners. You know, it's reminding them who they are, reminding them who fights for them and who has provided for them. So not only does he fight for God's people, but he fights for God's promises that he's reminded, that he talks about. He says, the Lord who delivered me will deliver me. He says, the Lord deliver me from the mouth of lions, the, the Lord deliver me from a, a bear, that God gave me victory in those situations. He says, man, he says, God did deliver me, God will deliver me. What a great reminder as we face situations and we navigate life to remember that there is a God who will deliver, a God who has delivered, and a God who will continue to deliver if we lean into Him. That the might that we rest in isn't our own might or isn't the might of any man, but it's in the might of a great and glorious God who steps out before us, who stands with us and fights, fights our battles alongside us and fights for us. You know, David wasn't fighting for victory. He was fighting from victory. He had confidence in the Lord. He knew what God was doing and he knew what God had done. You know, this wasn't in his own ability or in his own strength. Uh, you know, because we can even see in the fact that David took five stones. You know, it only took one to kill Goliath, but he took five stones because there was still some fear in David. There was still a little, little bit of doubt in David in that situation. He said, well, I better get more than just one just in case I miss. You know, and so there was still some, some fault in David, but the confidence that he rested in was the confidence of, of the Lord. That whether it took one stone or five stones, he knew that the job was going to get done. You know, and so he stepped out in that. And we, uh, you know, for David, he, uh, he was always looking up. You know, for us, the problem where we face, and when we get into this text sometimes, is that we tend to look inwardly instead of looking upwardly. 
that we look within ourselves. How can I find the, the power to defeat these giants? How can I find the power to, do, to defeat these things? You know, this power to do this is from within me. You know, trying to make ourselves David. When in reality, David, even in this situation, wasn't resting in his own ability at all, but constantly and confidently resting in the ability of the Lord and resting in the confidence of what God had for him. You know, David would even say this later on in 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-five. He says, he trains my hands for battle and my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So he says, everything that I do in the battles is only because God has done it with me. God has done it for me. And that if I want any victory in my life, it's only going to come by my confidence and my dependence on the Lord in every day, in every situation of my life. And then not only did he fight for God's promises, but he fought for God's praise. First Samuel 17, 46 through 47, he says, I will, David saying this to Goliath, I will strike you down that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel for the battle is the Lord's. You know, that's the difference between how we fight a lot of our battles and where David was fighting his battles is that 90% of our battles we're fighting for our own glory. We're fighting from this place of selfishness. We're fighting from this place of wanting to feel better about where we are, what we're doing, and who we are. And David very clearly says, look, I'm putting myself, I'm stepping into this situation by the guidance of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm stepping out into this, not because of me or not for me, but to completely shine light on this great and glorious and awesome God who has done great things for me and that wants to do great things for everyone that will believe and trust him. You know, and man, Joshua would even say in Joshua 4.24, kind of echoing the same idea, he said, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. Remember that word fear meaning respect and be in awe of this mighty God. And so we say all that for this reason, because we need to understand that the main thing that we know is who is the champion. You know, David plays a phenomenal part in this story. And in the midst of this situation in, in 1 Samuel 17, David is their chosen champion. You know, but the thing that we have to be careful of whenever we read this story, is to read ourselves into the place of champion. That we would believe that we are the David in this story. That, that we are the champion of the victory. That we are the one that does this. The thing we need to know about the word champion is the word champion means, way, the way it is used in this context, is it means the man in between, or the man that is between the two. You know, and so in, the, in the, the situation of the story, what we see is we see two opposing armies. We see the armies of, of the people of God, and we see the armies of the enemy standing on opposite sides. And so what comes into the middle are two people representing those two armies, looking to fight a battle for each other to gain victory for the other. One, uh, you know, and whichever one wins will gain, uh, will gain control of the other group, will gain control of their resources, gain control of their lives. You know, and so what we see is these champions, they offered their skill, their ability, their lives to save the lives of their people. Two opposing people stand face to face. You know, and the thing that we have to remember is the Bible tells us in Romans 5.10 that by birth we were enemies of God. That by birth, because of the sin that we inherited, 
and because of the sinful nature that we live in, that by birth we stood, and a lot of times wanting to be David in the story, we stand or stood as the Philistines. You know, we stood as the people opposing God. We stood as those dependent on a man. We stood as those dependent on man-made uh, ideals, on man-made philosophies, on man-made power, on man-made control. That by birth, we stand as the enemies of God, opposing God. You know, we stood on that side. You know, in this idea of a Goliath standing before us, being, being in the middle. You know, the name Goliath, he was, he was the champion of the Philistines. The name Goliath means splendor or grandeur or magnificence. So it's, Goliath was just this picture of splendor, of just, uh, uh, of just beauty, of just everything that just is satisfying to the eyes, everything that is appealing to the eyes, everything that glistens, everything that looks good. You know, that's what Goliath represented for the Philistines. And by birth, we are placed into this position of opposing God where that is our representative, that it's, it's by what can be gained, it's by what can be worked for, it's by what can be earned. You know, it's by, you know, Goliath looked the way he was and was as strong as he was because he worked hard to gain it. You know, but what we see about David being the representative of God's people, the name David being God's champion, the name David means beloved one or the loved one. God's people are called his beloved throughout the Bible. But most importantly, Jesus is called his beloved son by God in the book of Matthew whenever he is, he is baptized. You know, and the thing that we have to understand as we compare these two, that it is better to be loved than to be impressive. Goliath was impressive. But what do we know about the story? That Goliath was defeated. That Goliath took a stone to the head. That Goliath was beheaded. That, it, that his head was crushed. That he, he was defeated. That the armies were defeated in that moment. You know, in... David stood as the man in the middle for his people. David was the champion. And as we stood, as I stood, as Jake stood opposing the armies of God, God's champion, who is Jesus, stands opposed in the middle, standing in the middle, interceding, mediating between the enemies of God, and the peoples of God. And what he looks to do is he looks to defeat the Goliath standing before us. He looks to defeat the Goliath that is representing us. Not to overtake us, not to make us uh, prisoners of his, but to invite us into his family, to invite us into his army, to invite us to claim him as our champion. See, the champion of the story is Jesus. David is a representation of Jesus. What David started in this battle, Jesus finishes on the cross. That Jesus finds victory. That we are much more related to Goliath or the Philistines than we are to David. But thankful that Christ invites us into a place where we can claim Christ as our champion. 
and that the victory Christ gains, we enjoy. That the spoils of the war, we enjoy. And that the Goliath that is defeated, the Goliath that is defeated, is for us, is on our behalf. And that we are, we are not the champion. That me as my champion is working for victory. But Christ as my champion is working from victory. That because of what Christ has done, now I can step and follow and, 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 and be obedient to what God has called me to do. You know, David and Jesus are so, uh, so related. You know, in, in reality, they're physically related. David, uh, Jesus comes from the bloodline of David. It says several times in the Bible that, that Jesus was the son of David because he was from that bloodline. You know, in David and Jesus, they're, they're so mirror images of each other. Both represented their people, and their people didn't trust in, in, in the Lord, uh, but, they, but they did, and they brought victory. Uh, they, they both won a victory as their people were afraid and defeated. They both were sent to the battlegrounds by their fathers. They both won the battle in an unconventional way. You know, David won it by a slingshot, and, and Jesus won it hanging on a cross. You know, both had confidence that the victory was ensured before the battle began. You know, the Goliaths of our lives are not wielding power against us today. You know, as a Christian, we stand up against no Goliaths. Because as a Christian, Jesus has already slain all the Goliaths that stand before us. Jesus has already slain our shame. Jesus has already slain our fears. Jesus has already defeated all of those things. You know, Jesus has defeated, as our champion, He has defeated everything standing between us and victory. And as Christians, our Goliaths, the greatest enemies we have, have been defeated. The greatest enemies we face are no longer viable enemies. They are defeated. It is finished in Christ, our champion. He said it is done. There is no battle. There is no battle for us to fight anymore. There is just... This calling to walk in faith, to follow our champion. You know, and so it's not so much about, is there a victory? Has our Goliaths been defeated? We know that the Goliaths have been defeated. But the question is, are we living in it? Are we, are we following in Christ's footsteps in that? Are we enjoying the spoils of that victory by leaning into our champion, being associated with our champion? You know, are we fighting for victory or are we fighting from victory? You know, are we, are we comparing our might to the might of our enemies? You know, of the enemies of our life, of our fear, of anxieties? Are we comparing our own strength, our own, uh, our own selves as a champion or, or some other thing that we've denoted as champion in our life to go out before us that just continues to fall flat and not win those victories for us? Or are we dependent on and trusting in the victory that Christ has already achieved. You know, are we confident in his victory? You know, we want to read the story and fight to have the faith of David to overcome. But the reality is, we can never have the faith of David until we have depended on the son of David as our champion. Until we have stopped depending on ourselves and depended on our champion, who is Christ. He invites us into that. He invites us into that dependence. And that through him we find victory over every Goliath. Not an active fight, but a fight that's already happened. 
you know, he invites us to walk in that confidence. That it doesn't mean that life will be easy or things will just lay down before us. There will still be steps of faith and obedience that we will take and that David is a great representation of that. But ultimately, the greatest Goliath, the greatest enemy that ever stood before us was defeated through Christ. That just like David took the head of his enemy, the Bible tells us that Jesus has crushed the head of our greatest enemy. Remove the accusations, remove the fear, remove the shame, remove the doubt, and most of all, remove the chasm that stood between us and God, and that he has invited us to his throne and to his family and to his table. I pray that you would accept that. I pray that you would know and have confidence in that kind of Jesus, in that kind of champion this morning. I'd like to pray for you, and then we'll be done this morning. Father God, I just thank you so much for your goodness. God, I thank you so much that we can rest in the confidence of a great God. God, I thank you so much that there is a champion outside of myself. God, a champion outside of, of what I see and what I can feel and what I can touch and depend on here, but a champion that is at the right hand of God, a champion that has bore my sin on the cross, a champion that has defeated my, the greatest Goliath that ever stood against me, that he's already done it, that it is finished, that the work is done, and that I don't have to live my life trying to win this battle, win this victory, that a victory is already won. God, I pray that we could rest in the confidence of that, trying to gain approval, trying to gain a status, trying to gain all these things that come when we compare our might to men. But God, when we rest in your might, God, we find victory. God, help us to understand. God, help us to repent. God, help us to push away from ourselves the Goliath that, 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 is, that is representing us, that is standing in the middle for us. God, unless it, let us to help us, lead us to embrace Christ as our champion, the one going out before us, the one winning the victories for us. God, let us depend on him. Let us find our confidence in him and what he does. Father, we love you. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name.